this morning, we are wrapping up our series um, moving forward. So we've gone over the go out. Um, someone once said, someone told me that a better topic or better title for that would have been go and show. Go and show the goodness of God. Go and show the Holy Spirit at work in you. So start off with go out, invite people, be an influence for our community. Um, and then we talked about come and see that when the people of God, if we're walking in the blessing that God has bestowed on us, that there should be something different when the people of God come together. Last week, we talked about being plugged in and how Jesus expected his followers to just be empowered, that we should just see miraculous things happening around us that as he said at the end of Mark, that we would drink poison and it wouldn't hurt us, that we would pray for the sick and they would be healed. Um, and so we and we talked about how prayer is the key, that if we want to see that kind of power work in our life, um, that it's going to require us to be people of prayer. And this morning, we're talking about letting go. Um, and to kick it all off, I was reflecting on this week. And so I've been sick all week. You probably hear it in my voice. This is a drastic improvement over where I was. I didn't have a voice. Um, I had a wicked fever. I was, I was not good this week. Um, and so I want to start us off with our first question this morning. Um, question number one, what is your home remedy when you are sick? When you get sick, what is your go-to solution um, first thing in the morning. And I'll throw it out to you two. You guys can answer that first. And everyone online, you throw on your comments. But what's your home remedy, guys, when you get sick? I just pray for death. I'm not going to lie. I just, just you just take me home. Uh, that's got to be a whole lot better than, no, I'm just <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. I was always told that sleep helps a lot. So I take very long naps. I mean, I take very long naps anyways, so it's not like that's totally out of the out of the norm. But um, yeah, when I'm sick, I, I tend to try and sleep it off. I'm afraid I usually don't take that route. I usually go straight for some kind of cold medication or something to get myself through the day. Because whether I'm sick or not, I seem to end up at work. So something to make me function throughout the daylight hours is what I go to. Mm. So for me, and I'm, I'm sure some people would relate to this, um, like pajamas, my big soft robe, and I become, I, I should really be stockholder in Neocitrin when I'm sick because I will drink that stuff by the gallons. And it is, I don't know why, um, but nothing works like Neocitrin. I sleep way better. I just... I just feel like a million bucks. So big plug for them. Not sponsored. Um, oh. Yeah, not sponsored. Oh. Um, but yeah, Neo Citrin, way to go. Um, but the reason I wanted to start there was when we um, when we get sick, and you know, so I'm looking online and. We've got, you know, people who use vitamin C and people have got, uh, they use the essential oils and they, they do, uh, you know, we take in stuff, right? We take in some good stuff. We, we do some better practices. We just, we try to, um, well, we just, we just want to fill our body with as much good things as we possibly can. But the point of filling our bodies with good things is not just because it's a good thing to do. When we're sick, we fill our bodies with medicine and vitamins and all that good stuff because we're actually trying to get rid of the sickness. We want to help our immunity get better. We want our immunity to fight off whatever it is that we are wrestling with. Um, and the same applies when we get to like this morning. Same applies to the, the sickness of sin. It's one thing to just consume as much good stuff as we can because it's the right thing to do. And it's another when we let the good stuff we're taking in actually combat the, the sin problem that we have. 
And this morning, um, I want to kick us off by looking at a few stories from Scripture. Um, because I think one of the bad things that we have a really bad tendency to hold on to is, is bitterness and unforgiveness. Um, or offense. Or you know, all those things that aren't necessarily very obvious. Well, they can be really obvious depending on um, what it is you're holding on to. Um, but these things that are really easy to hold on to, but have really bad effects on our life. Um, so what we're going to do is I'm going to read the first story. And then, uh, Mitch, why don't you read the second story out of Second uh, um, Samuel? It's in the notes on the app. If you don't have the app, you should get it. Um, all the scripture is in the notes. Or you can use your Bible like Mitch. Um so, sorry, Trill. Uh, so your Second Samuel thirteen twenty one to thirty nine. Go. Right now. Uh, no, I'm going to mine first. Okay. I'm just telling you to find it. Okay. <laughs> Calm down. Um, Genesis four, story of Cain and Abel. Now Adam knew his knew Eve, his wife. And she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of the sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought the Lord, brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground and from your face. I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. The Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Before Mitch, before you get started, um, so I want us to reflect on that first story. Now, we all know the story of Cain and Abel, or most people do. Um, the big thing that stands out to me is, so Cain has this offense against Abel because of something Cain did. And not only did not resolving that result in the death of Abel, but Cain's life was wrecked. Adam and Eve's life is wrecked because they've now lost a son. Um, like the consequences of him holding on to this offense and acting on it is not just <coughs> the loss of Abel, right? Like the, everybody's affected by it. And it's uh, something that I. I was just going to say, and it's just a small reminder as we're going through this. As Christians, we call each other brothers and sisters, and there's a reason why. And it's a reference um, that we're brothers and sisters in Christ, but we carry each other in the same way as Cain and Abel. And so an offense done to, done to a brother or sister carries a consequence as well. Um, something that I noticed, uh, just as you're reading there, it, it reads almost very similar to 
um, God confronting Adam and Eve when they ate the, the fruit as well, right? Uh, mm. where you have the kind of initial, uh, there was the initial, there was the sin, this event happened, and God comes in and goes like, well, what happened? Where, where you know, this is, what's happening? Like, where are you? You're hiding from me kind of thing, right? Um, and it's almost like there's this sort of, um, there, there, there's, it's like God left room in both cases um, for both Adam and Eve and also uh, Cain to actually uh, come forward and, and confess and take responsibility. And, um, but, but not only that, to, to kind of attempt reconciliation, you know, um, and it's almost, and, and I think that's a very consistent thing you see throughout the Bible is that God like, still leaves uh, that kind of room or even has that sort of expect, expectation like of like no 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 you you step you come come forward and um, you know you don't don't harbor this this thing that either you've done or something is that's coming against you because like yeah that 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 bitterness that that uh, anger that um, offense that you could have against me it, it it just it doesn't it doesn't go well for anybody involved you know and it really didn't go well for Abel certainly didn't go well for Cain and well. Adam and Eve were even affected. Well, any parent who's, who's seen that in their kid knows exactly how that feels. So, yeah. Uh, so, just a interesting side note: Hebrew quiz. Do either of you know what Abel means? The Hebrew word Abel. No. No. It actually means morning. M O U R. So. Yeah, like like grieving. So I found that very interesting that Eve, whether that is inspired by what happened to Abel or if Eve named him in anticipation of knowing something was going to happen. Um, but yeah, Abel means to mourn or to grieve or to, um, yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, next story. Um, yeah, go for it, Mitch. Um, so, sorry, you said Second Samuel thirteen twenty one to twenty nine, right? Twenty one to thirty nine. Twenty one to thirty nine. Oh, give me a big one. Okay, twenty. It's the same size as what I just read. So that's fine. Verse twenty one. When King David heard what happened, he was very angry. And though Absalom never spoke to Amnon about this, he hated Amnon deeply because of what he had done to his sister. Two years later, when Absalom's sheep were being sheared at Balhazor, <laughs> you give me there's so many little little Hebrew names in here, huh? Great. Appreciate Just say it loud and confidently, and everyone <laughs> thinks you know what you're talking about. It's true. <laughs> The sheep were being sheared at Balhazar <laughs> Absalom invited all the king's sons to come to a feast. He went to the king and said, My sheep shears are now at work. Would the king and his servants please come to celebrate the occasion with me? The king replied, No, my, no, my son. If we all came, we would be too much of a burden on you. Absalom pressed him, and the king would not come, though he gave Absalom his blessing. Well then, Absalom said, If you can't come, how about sending my brother Amnon with us? Why Amnon, the king asked. But Absalom kept on pressing the king until he finally agreed to let all his sons attend, including Amnon. So Absalom prepared a feast fit for a king. Absalom told his men, wait until Amnon gets drunk, then at my signal, kill him. Do not be afraid. I'm the one who has given the command. Take courage and do it. So Absalom singly murdered Amnon. Then the other sons of the king jumped on their mules and fled. As they were on their way back to Jerusalem, this report reached David. Absalom has killed all the king's sons. Not one is left. The king got up, tore his robe, and threw himself on the ground. His advisors also tore their clothes in horror and sorrow. But just, that, but just then, Jon Jonadab, the son of David's brother, uh, Shimra, arrived and said, No, don't believe that all the king's sons have been killed. It was only Amnon. Absalom has been plotting this ever since Amnon raped his sister Tamar. No, my lord, the king, your sons, are, aren't all dead. 
It was only Ammon. Meanwhile, Absalom escaped. Then the watchmen on the Jerusalem wall saw a great crowd coming toward the city from the west. He ran to tell the king, I see a crowd of people coming from the Haranim. There we go. I can't wait to read all the comments of people roasting my pronunciation. Um, all <laughs> coming from the Haranim uh, along the side of the hill. Look, Jonadab told the king, there, there they are now. The king's sons are all coming, just as I said. They soon arrived, weeping and sobbing, and the king and all of his servants wept bitterly with them. And David mourned many days uh, for his son Amnon. Absalom fled to his grandfather, uh, Talamai, uh, son of Amhud, uh, the king of Geshur. He stayed there in, in Geshur for three years, and King David, now reconciled to Amnon's death, longed to be reunited with his son Absalom. Okay, thoughts from that scripture because there's a lot that goes on. There's a reason I wanted that whole story read, but any thoughts that pop out? Absalom kind of sucked. <laughs> yeah, like that's a crappy thing to do, <laughs> you know, and like just just the kind of. The, the kind of vindictiveness that, that, that a person needs to have to, um, I mean, like, I think, I think plot such a revenge. I mean, it was a horrible, I'm like, obviously, there, it wasn't a, you know, there was um, no offense to go around for, for both parties, I mean, from uh, uh, Amnon and also uh, Absalom, but um, yeah, just, 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 and, and um, I mean, yeah, just 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 like I said before, like just harboring such bitterness and vindictiveness against another person, it doesn't doesn't do anything good for anybody, you know, especially yeah. yourself, right? Because then, because then, what is Absalom about? He's not a brother. His 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 dad's probably not too happy. With him. David's not definitely not happy about it, right? Like he's he's tarnished his his reputation, like. Just even in, on a sort of pragmatic sense, like whatever's going on in his soul in, in this story, it's like I have no idea. That's that's a huge check engine light on his soul. But like even just speaking, like nothing nothing played out very well for anybody involved in that situation. You know, and and, and that just sucks. That sucks. Like sin is just pervasive and disgusting like that. Yeah, and it's for me what I tie to it is how much the world of today would absolutely um, be behind Absalom. And then how um, so many people feel that that, that kind of um, revenge is appropriate and how yeah, he'd have a large crowd behind him cheering him on, possibly crowdfunding him for his lawyer and stuff like that. Like it's, it's when you tie it that way into this, what's happening in the world right now and give that perspective to it. Um, it's still so pervasive. And now um, it becomes part of our culture. And even as, as people of faith culture creeps in and, and we think there's nothing wrong with um when something sort of seems right, allowing it in to our life and our and our opinions and how we think and feel, and without looking at the ultimate con consequences of it. I also love David's response at the end there too. You know, um, like it, it kind of said, like um, you know, David basically kind of gave. Uh, the the time for mourning it's it's day and um, you know kind of process the emotion and process the grief and uh, process everything that happened because David's a third party here right but he still lost a son and his other son did something really horrible and not only that but the first son also did something really horrible you know so you got to deal with all that um, but I I I loved um, and and I think this is um, I mean like that's just that's just David this you know heart of gold and, and man after God's own heart. And um, it really does reflect the same kind of, um, I think, I think love uh, that, that the Lord has 
for us. Uh, and the same thing that, that, that God feels when we sin too. It's like, um, there's, there's obviously that, that sort of mourning process where it's like, all right, yeah, an offense has happened, something bad, and we need to deal with that initial emotion. Uh, but then where did David get to? Just desired it, it, as far as my translation said, um, longed for reconciliation with, with Absalom, right? Um, and that's just, it's, 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 it's beautiful. It's, it's a beautiful thing, um, to see someone actually, actually kind of, um, not lean into the negativity and lean into the, um, sort of fleshy bitterness, but to actually be able to, uh, let that go and, and instead say, no, I want to move forward, not dwell on this thing. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's what it is. Yeah. You guys kind of hit the major points I wanted to hit is that Absalom sat on that for two years. And again, not to underplay the horrible thing that Amnon did. Amnon is, you know, he he took advantage of his, his sister. Now, we don't know if it was like... The problem for David is that he had so many wives and so many kids with those wives that, you know, it was... Anyways, but horrible thing Amnon does. And like Darren said... Absalom, in according to our sinful nature, according to like world standards, totally justified in what he did. Um, but he's not in the eyes of God. And you take Absalom's response and taking the matters in his own hands, destroys his own life, destroys his brother's life, destroys um, his dad. Because it says his dad goes in the morning. But then you take David, as Mitch said, and David... David does not shy away from his emotions. He's mad about what Amnon did. He's mad about what Absalom did. He's he's mad. He's he is he's letting he's embracing the emotions that sin should have in our life. But at the end of the day, he is a loving father. He is just overwhelmed by what has been going on, and um, he wants to be reconciled to Absalom. He wants to. You know, get make things right and bring his son home because ultimately, it, it doesn't matter what Absalom has done. Absalom is still his son, and still has a place in his palace under his rule in his family. And so, um, yeah, David is David is awesome in this. Um, David's always awesome. He's made a few mistakes along the way, but. Um, yeah. And yeah. and um, but this, this well, is the point. We we so often, when it comes to when people wrong us, when we when people have offended us or treated us poorly or our boss does something we don't like or whatever, our instinct is to take matters in our own hands. We are all too often like Cain and Absalom, whether we want to admit it or not. Those are our default um, mindsets. Those are our default reactions when something bad happens and uh which actually brings me to my second question um do you think we should ever take matters into our own hands so i'll throw it out to you guys but um i throw it out to everyone online i'd love to hear your responses do you ever think as christians i'm not saying like in general as christians as christ followers should we ever take matters into our own hands that's a big one. Yeah, that's a big question. Just from my, it is a big from question. my perspective, I think through that story with David, I think as Christians, do we take things in our own hands? Yes, in the fact it's about us. We need to ask ourselves, can we be David in this situation? Can we, can mm. we um, take that offense and be able to, to long for that person to be back in our lives? Um, <laughs> to be totally honest, we have, I have seen people literally divorce themselves from someone uh, relationship wise because the person didn't speak to them on a specific day. Um, this, are we taking action to be David? Are we, yes, we take our time. Yes, we, we mourn whatever happens. But do we love enough to be able to go, oh, I so miss that person. And 
I, my challenge is that was a murder of a child. How do we, how do we go from, from what we take offense to in the day to day now and actually apply it? Do we act like Absalom and take matters into our own hands? No. Do we act like David and take that matter into our own hands and say, yes. And Darren, I think, thanks for like differentiating that. I guess what I was looking for is do we take, I, I appreciate your answer. I think that was a great answer um, because of course I'm looking at like the revenge. Like do we take matters in our own hands in the sense of getting justice against somebody else? Because I, I think you're right. I think when it comes to our response, we are responsible for our response. But um I guess the, maybe the better way to ask the question is, should we ever take revenge on somebody? Should we ever get even? My turn. Well, simple answer is no. Um, you know, and, and, and I think you see the God's desire for, for us, humanity, period, but, but you know, desire for humanity, expectation for the Christian um, is that you instead seek reconciliation. Um, and and I, I mean I, I say that I, and I like to use that that word specifically because I think it actually um, you know it, it's it's it, it, it better describes the sort of internal process of what we need to uh, seek externally and relationally with each other as well um, not only reconciling you know hey this bad thing happened there's no changing it you're gonna have to deal with that and deal with it properly but then also, this person, this other person who has offended you, they're still made in, in the image of God. You know, um, I'm reminded of a, a conversation I had with, um, well, just a couple of weeks ago at our uh, first pursuit night, um, which just started plug for that. Anyways, um, with our students, uh, we talked about this uh, concept of, of what is the image of God, we, uh, you know, and talking about the Imago Dei, which is the image of God. And um, that's where we get our value from fundamentally is, is that we are made, all made in God's image equally and um, value and, and God looks at us and delights in in that image He created us in, and um, you know, harboring sort of um, bitterness and um, taking revenge on another person. Well, like that was fundamentally what the problem was between Cain and Abel. You know, um, that, like fundamentally, you know, it's 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 that it, that Cain did uh, something so horrible and so vicious to another creature made in god's image made in even though the likeness of cain a little bit you know and um, that's that's a horrible thing that's a that's a horrible thing to do fundamentally when you get down to it um but the the beautiful thing about reconciliation is that that's exactly what god did for us and that hey you know what with, with sin we decided that we would be better gods than god we would uh we could do it, things our own way um, and that's that's really just spitting in God's face, and and you know, and and so, but through Christ, He reconciled us back to Himself, and and, and well, it's just to be impressive. We're sitting here talking up David, like he's like he's a you know a wonderful human being. David was an adulterer and a murderer, and that's not even two different instances. That was the same story, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, so to sit here and pretend that, that David was 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 perfect in all of it. Um, is is naive, but what makes it beautiful and what makes his response uh, especially great um, is this sort of same reconciliation uh, that he was able to have in himself that God has also reconciled uh, in us. So that's a very long way of saying um, re revenge is not ours to take, um, which isn't to say that we don't you know seek proper um, justice through the systems and the laws that God has instituted for us, right? Like, praise God for um, the Canadian government for giving us uh, such a, a good ju judicial system to, um, you know. But but even then, that sort of justice is for the end of reconciliation um, so that there isn't a sort of all the debts have been paid, you know. Um, and so but now that's a very extreme stance. If, if someone just makes fun of you and you take offense to that, like, well, you know, you can let it go and, and, and you can you know, leave it at the cross and re go reconcile with the person. But um, revenge is never 
never something for that belongs to us. But I think that's part of the point, Mitch, too, is the fact that, yes, this is the big stuff. This is murder, adultery, all of the big stuff. Yeah. We as Christians have to take this down right to the most simple of things and say, you know what? We can't be that way in anything. Um, so Joe Blow doesn't say hello to me, so I'm not going to go to his next function because I'm angry and I'll show him. It is all the way down to that level. or it, mm-hmm. And we don't accept it. We, we take this little white lie rule. Oh, it's just a little white lie. It's not that big of a deal. I live a better life than the next person, so I'm still good. And God is saying, no, you're not. I see everything. I see every drop of blood in the ground. And so it's the same thing, whether it's, it's any form of revenge, any form of unlove, any form of holding anything against us. And, you know, I'm as guilty as the next person. There's things that make me angry and it's like, oh, I have to be in the same presence of this person and it's just, ugh. but that's not what it's, I mean, that person doesn't have to kill my son to make forgiveness one of those things that has to happen no matter what. Yeah. Could you, could you imagine if Jesus, if Jesus treated us the way that we treat people in the, with forgiveness? Exactly. You know, could you imagine like now that would make Jesus, you know, perfect and, and, and God, you know, but um, I mean, like just think I, I I would sit here and think about the person who I treat the most horribly, you know, uh, either due to bitterness or unforgiveness or something that I've let fester, you know, and, and just like, could you imagine if Jesus treated me the way I, I treat that person I'm not forgiving? Oh, man. Oh, we would not. I would not be going anywhere good, you know, not only in this life, but I, I, I'd maybe have some concerns when I get to those pearly gates, too, you know, like, which... Hey, that's what makes the cross beautiful is that Jesus doesn't look at me the way that I look at some people, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's beautiful. And that's an awesome thing. And, you know, he's changing me and uh, transforming my nature so that I don't look at other people that way, you know, and, and that's, that's a beautiful part of reconciliation that it's transformative as well. But I think the other thing, something you said, Mitch, about Cain and Abel, Abel didn't do anything to Cain, but because of the offense, Cain interpreted it as something that was done to him and he had to get even with. Cain, all Abel did was offer a better sacrifice, offered a better offering to God, and God God recognized the better offering as it was. And Cain, instead of up in his game, just took out the competition. And they weren't even competing. Like (laughs) and this is like this is the dangerous thing about offense is that we can take, we can be offended, we can get bitter, we can hold on to a grudge and people don't haven't even done anything. There's no malice. There's no, um, there's no intent. There's no, it's not even like directed at us, but if we allow our emotions to be so sensitive that we're going to interpret everything as an attack, even when it's not, then that is going to disrupt our lives in a horrible way. So we're going to burn bridges that don't need to be burned. We're going to, and it's just, um, yeah, unforgiveness and bitterness just have horrible effects on our mind and our thinking. And yeah, oh, they can bad. turn to, they can turn to like genuine malevolence very quickly. Yeah, and by by malevolence I mean like wishing like horrible things upon another person without even like really you know putting much effort into it. You know, like it, and that's not a good place to go when you're able to look at another person who's also made in the image of God. And just wish absolutely horrible yeah. things. And bitterness, like that's just it's just the next step, you know, and it's horrible. And you don't need to look too far to see it in the world. But it's also the easy way. The forgiveness and reconciliation is the hard way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so none of this is easy. None of this feels good until afterwards. Um, I don't I've had many instances in my life where I've had to swallow my own hurt and anger and pride and all the rest of it. And it was horribly hard to do and go and deal with someone. 
um, and talk to them and accept their words and then still come through in the end. In the long run, it, it was fantastic. It was so worth it. But as you're doing it, it's incredibly difficult and painful and uncomfortable. And this is on little stuff. This isn't the big stuff. The big stuff, we can't, we, we think we have this right to carry it for decades because it's big. When we can take the little things and carry them for decades as well. It's just, it's hard and we have to do the work. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so we gotta keep moving. We have, uh, <laughs> we've eaten up a lot of time already, guys. Um, so when it comes to this whole idea of forgiveness and the importance of it, um, there's, there's so many scriptures we could talk about, right? So these stories that we've read, and again, there's even lots more stories that we could read about the, the detriment that unforgiveness can have, whether we're unforgiving over big things or little things. Um, that bitterness, that unforgiveness, that, that grudge, that offense that we hold on to um, just has huge ramifications. And the longer we let it fester, the worse the ramifications are. Um, but there's a lot of scripture as well that talk about how important forgiveness is not just for our well-being but for um everyone's really um the big one that i want to point out and if there's any others you guys can think of i invite you to share them for sure um so matthew 6 14 and 15 it doesn't get any more clear than this uh jesus says that if you forgive others their trespasses your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you. And I don't think we think of that when uh, we're holding on to that grudge and we're holding on to that unforgiveness. We're just like, well, I don't need to forgive that person. Um, I'm just going to hold on to this because there's a familiarity in this. There's a, a comfort in me holding on to this. But God's like, and, and it comes from the fact that if we, we don't understand God's forgiveness if we can't forgive others. We don't understand the magnitude and the weight of God's forgiveness if we feel like we need to hold on to things against others. Um, anyways, any other scriptures you guys can think of? I have another one, so nobody steal my story out of Genesis. Um, but uh, any other? Someone. What I, I like in the bottom of that story is the part about the anger his master delivered um delivering him to his jailers so will our master so that there is a consequence that we have to remember in our unforgiveness and no matter how hard it is and how how um difficult and how many times we may have to do it with some people there is it, it's our judgment that's going to be affected and that we need to look at it because if we don't forgive, God won't forgive us. And mm -hmm. that's that's the ultimate price right there. His grace and his forgiveness and how we can lay it at the cross. But if we're not willing to do it, it says there that he may not want to do it for us. Yeah. I think there's, yeah. there's a lot of humility that comes in in, into into it as well, right? Um, I think of uh, uh, so I think of well, two verses. One that references the other. Um, so so Paul wrote in, in Romans chapter two, um, you therefore have no excuse. Okay, you who pass judgment on another, for on whatever grounds you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Which is Paul referencing Jesus in Matthew seven. So oh, I just saw the green uh, screen, talking the about the screen pop up on. The feed is that is all being good? Oh, did you? Okay. Okay. Um, oh, you're doing good. I I didn't mention it, so it's fine. You're good. Okay. Um. Yeah. Like Paul. Paul in Romans two, referencing Jesus, saying, uh, talking about the, uh, you know, the, the like pull out the speck in your eye before you point out the beam in another's, right? Um, and there's there's a sort of humility that comes into um, forgiveness 
for another person um, because it, you are really kind of you know I, I I can't quite remember the, the quote of, of what I'm thinking of so I'll, I'll just paraphrase it but um, you know in, in forgiveness basically sacrificing uh, your right to be offended for someone else's um, right to you know have a relationship with you I really wish I could get the quote properly right but the fundamental value there is is there's this sort of um, you know to properly reconcile and forgive with other people um, you have to understand your own imperfection as well you know and, and there's a lot of humility there and there's a lot of uh, taking responsibility um, and again that's just a good and beautiful thing you know <laughs> that, that we're all you know imperfect creatures who are just trying to you know live life the best we can to uh, glorify God um, that's that's what we're trying to do and we're not going to get it perfect you know and it's a kind of beautiful journey to that we're all on together when when you know if there is offense if there is a grievance if there is a you know something uh something holding us back from um um enjoying god together properly you know there's 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 even still beauty in the reconciliation process um because that's exactly what god's doing for us you know and and yeah I think the more we can kind of um, reflect uh, God's love for uh, us with each other, I think I think that's just a good way to go. Normally, maybe that's just me, but yeah. Um, story that I think of, Darbo David and his goodness, um, Genesis fifty story of joseph now if you guys don't know the story joseph gets sold into slavery um by his brothers he's the 10th of 12 brothers he's the 11th of 12 brothers um and he is hands down his father's favorite um he's the firstborn of his favorite wife and so his 10 older brothers are tired of this and they sell him into slavery which is all again all the horrible things that we've talked about, that's definitely up there. Um, and they tell the father that he's dead. So now his father's grieving. His brothers have to carry this guilt of getting rid of their brother because they don't know what's happened to him. Um, and so now we're at the end of Genesis, and Jacob has died, and his brothers are fearing the worst that now that Jacob's gone, Joseph's going to do something. And I love this story. Um, we can learn so much from Joseph's response here. So Genesis 50, starting in verse 15, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, it may be that Joseph will hate us and pay us back for all the evil that we did to him. So they're still holding on to it. They're like, we fully acknowledge what we've done. And if we're still holding on to it, maybe Joseph is too, and we better brace for impact. Uh, so they sent a message to Joseph saying, your father gave this command before he died. Say to Joseph, please forgive the transgression of your brothers and their sin because they did evil to you. And now please forgive the transgression of the servants of the God of your father. Joseph wept when they spoke to him. His brothers also came and fell down before him and said, behold, we are your servants. But Joseph said to them, do not fear, for am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring it about that many people should be kept alive, as they are today. So do not fear. I will provide for you and your little ones. And thus he comforted and spoke kindly to them. We talk about Romans. We talk about one of the things that God says frequently in Scripture is that revenge is mine, says the Lord. Do not take revenge, for revenge is mine. And Joseph's response to his brothers is beautiful. He's like, I'm not going to do anything. Um, I'm not God. God's going to deal with this. God's going to take care of this. And I'm just going to trust his process over mine because our process, no matter how good we think it is, is going to be flawed compared to what God's is. And so, and I think this is so often something that we need to take into account when it's, we're wronged and we want to get even. And it's like, why? Why are we elevating ourselves to this status of, taking matters in our own hands and eventually essentially saying, God, I don't think you're going to do anything. So I'm going to do it myself. That's just 
so backwards because we don't think of it that way. We think of the wrong, we think of the offense, and we just think about we're going to get even. Um, and, and that's just the sinful nature coming out. Everything that is natural within us is contrary to what the spirit within us is trying to tell us. You know, Darren said that already. Um, forgiveness is hard because it's contrary to what our sinful nature wants to do. And yet, Joseph, just their recognition and their growth and their maturity just be like, you know what? The spirit in me is telling me that this is not my place, that God is the one who's ultimately in charge. God's the one who's going to ultimately take care of all this. And, uh, and I'm just going to let God deal with you guys, which is probably a scarier comment to make than what I would do anyways. Um, which brings me to my last question. Oh, Mitch froze up. Well, it's just me and Darren, I guess, for the rest of it. <laughs> um, last question. Do you have trouble forgiving people who hurt you? Um, and everyone online, you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. I encourage you if you do. Um, openness and honesty is always the best policy when it comes to this kind of stuff. Um, but I will start this one and I will just be full, fully honest. I, I have a hard time with this. Um, I have such a hard time forgiving people who have wronged me and it's something that I'm working on. There's a lot of wrongs in my past that uh, it's one moment I think I'm over it and the next I realize that I'm not, um, but I'm working on it. Yeah, for myself, it's never easy and it's never instantaneous um, as much as I wish it would be. It takes time. It's just like David had to go mourn for a while. It takes time. Um, but. Um, it's something that I have learned through many years of having bad consequences that um, forgiveness is actually the only thing that gets you through that stage in your life. I think live in that place. If you want to move on and grow and become more of what God wants you to be, the only way you can do that is to move past and forgive. Um, I think Mitch is back, but I'm going to not give him a chance to share because we have gone way longer than I had anticipated for this to go. Um, I, 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 love you. I want to, I want to close with this thought. Um, as we've done with all of this, every step along the way with the series, it's not just a call for us to be better. And this is a call for all of us to be better at this. Um, practicing forgiveness is something that is unnatural and contrary to what um, the world teaches us and what our nature wants us to do. And this is an area that we all, we can all grow in. Um, but the thing that stands out to me um, as we apply it to the church setting, um, I don't have to go into details. Um, as I say that there are some things in our, some skeletons in the closet of our church that need to be dealt with. Um, because one of the things that unforgiveness does is it acts as an anchor and it prevents us from stepping into the things that God wants to do in our lives. As long as we are looking back, we can't look forward. And, and that has become abundantly apparent that as a church, we have some things that we need to deal with. Um, and that is not a criticism of how things have been dealt with in the past. That is not a um, that's not a statement um, any which way. That is just us taking inventory of where we're at as a church. And if we want to continue to move forward into the things that God has called us to, um, there's a few closets that need to be dealt with. And so um, over the next year, we're going to be intentional about dealing with some of those things. And like I said, I don't have to tell you the details. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then you, good for you. Um, but I know that there are lots who are watching right now who know exactly what I'm talking about. And um, if we really want to move forward and become the church that God has called us to be, there's a few things that we need to deal with. And some of it is forgiveness of others who have hurt us. 
And I think a lot of it, and this is even applies to us on a personal level. um, I think sometimes we need to forgive ourselves. I think when we get up in the morning, um, the hardest person to forgive in our lives is sometimes us because we know the things that we've done wrong. We know the things that we've said, or we know the mishandlings of certain events and, and we beat ourselves up. We, we hold unforgiveness against ourselves and it prevents us from becoming the men and women that God has called us to be. And so, um, you know, we're going to, and it's going to take us being outwardly focused. It's going to require us to be humble and it's going to require us to be people of prayer because this is not an easy thing to do. We're going to need God's help. We're going to need God's power. And, uh, but I know that we can do it. I know that we will be a healthier, better church if we take the time to do it. Um, is it going to be uncomfortable? Probably. I don't know too many people who like to dig up <coughs> skeletons and deal with them. Um, but if we are a healthier, better church at the end of it, um, it's going to be worth it. And so um, that might make some of us a little nervous, but uh, like I said, it's it's going to be it's for our good. It's for the and it's for the good of our community so that we can be the influencers that God has called our church to be. Um, anyways, with that, uh, I'm going to get Mitch to close in prayer. Um, if anyone that is watching online um, needs to talk or needs prayer or needs anything, um, I really encourage you to reach out to the church. Um, we've got we've got a prayer line. You can text prayer prayer requests to um, if you want to be anonymous. Um, but we were we really want to help you through this. Even though we're not together in person, we can still pray and be together in spirit. So. Uh, with that, Mitch, why don't you close us in prayer, and uh, <coughs> we'll wrap things up. Oh, I think he's froze again. I'll pray. Uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this, this morning, Lord. Um, God, I thank you that you are a forgiving God that you are so gracious and loving. Um, never mind. I'm going to let Mitch pray because we've got screaming kids in the background. Okay. All right, Father, I just thank you for this time uh, we get to, uh, together uh, online. Uh, uh, we know that it's uh, not ideal, but what a privilege and a blessing it is. Uh, that we have this medium and that, that we're still united by your and uh, our love for your gospel. I pray that you would bless us as we uh, go into the rest of this week, that you would uh, be with us and uh, helping us to forgive more and helping us to uh, avoid bitterness. Sing of, of what uh, myself or Darren or um, Matt had to say this morning, uh, I pray that you would just remind us of these things uh, throughout our week. Um, strengthen us, help us to be more like your son, um, and just for your, your glory. Um, it's for your beautiful name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Have a great week, everybody. Uh, we miss you. We wish we were all together this morning, but uh, we will see you next Sunday. Um, God bless. And like I said, don't be afraid to reach out if you need to talk or pray or anything, but uh, we love you. And uh, we'll see you next Sunday.